Lost the Script is a podcast not suitable for young, delicate ears. That means if you're a child listener, please don't tell your parents. I think I'm marking this year as a year of personal growth for me because I uh, went to the store last night and there was a bottle of whiskey that I that I really like and it was super cheap for some reason. I was like, oh boy, and I bought it. And on my way out, I, uh, the, the nice lady behind the, the cash register took the little security tag thing off of it, and I slipped it into my bag and proceeded to just drop it on the floor in front of everybody and shatter it everywhere. And they were just like, just go get a new one, it's fine. But I left, and I don't feel anything about it. I feel like <laughs> a year ago, that would have been a dreaded interaction in the public where I would have just like kicked myself about it, but no, nothing. Wow. I'm over it. I like yeah. that. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's either an improvement or a slow descent into disassociation. I It might be an improvement either way, though. Yeah, I think you might be on your way there, whether that's good or not. <laughs> point do you think you stop and think to yourself like what do you no one else like in the line behind you nor the person across from you who's getting paid probably bullshit to do a job they don't care about at no <laughs> point do you owe them uh the moment of you being really sorry about something that really right. only inconveniences you other than like a time thing like so, yeah. so they, at what point they did do have you to clean it up to, too, though. Oh, uh, I guess then maybe then you walk over to the janitorial folks and you <laughs> pay homage somehow. Grovel, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, I apologized profusely on my way out of the store, but after I got out of there, I was like, hmm, that was odd, and then I proceeded to forget about it immediately. Yeah. That actually sounds a lot like something I, I've heard like a therapists talk about, where it's like if if your trouble, like say you're in your relationship, you get into a fight over like who. Um, you know, didn't close the cabinets or whatever. You you need only uh, spend enough time that a cabinet not being closed is worth being like upset about it at all. So it's like right as much time as you spent actively spilling that we're like uh, smashing the whiskey accidentally onto the ground. I think that you came out like right as much you suffered as much as you should have for it thank you i sent you the security footage of it too, so you, <laughs> you, you really know. It, it was a long drop it, you, you kept kicking it kicking it back up in hopes of catching it yeah well i picked it up after it didn't break the first time and then i smashed it on the counter and i looked around and i said who wants to rumble <laughs> uh, no one wanted to rumble though but hey, everyone, thank you for joining Lost the Script. We are the usually weekly podcast where we guesstimate movies. You know, we, in the first part, we guesstimate a three-part plot out of just a poster. We look at it. We make a plot for it. It's very funny. Last week's was very funny. It mm -hmm. was the movie that this week we are going to be reviewing, analyzing, and basting it for the fact that it didn't do anything that we said it should do. Bringing that one back. Haven't said that word in a while. <laughs> it's a, I think I was harping a on it. Year of Regeneration. Wow, I am a phoenix rising from a broken $15 bottle of whiskey. <laughs> but this week we are going to be covering Censor. If you have not watched the guesstimation and want to do that before the analysis, uh, you might want to do that. Also, we, there will be spoilers in this one. So if you want to go back and watch the movie, 
do it. Is my alley? Go- oh. <laughs> you're giving them space. <laughs> you forgot to the alley. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you're just giving that them space moment. to pause it and then go watch the movie and pick it up directly from that point. Congratulations, yeah, you did it. <laughs> if you uh, if you went in your Ant Man time zone and watched the movie, <laughs> then you could have done it while this was still playing in that one second of silence there. Yeah, that's their bad though. Yeah, <laughs> because there's no getting out of that again. Mm-mm. You're stuck in the fabric of the universe. But, uh, yeah, I have a synopsis. Should I just launch right into the synopsis of the film? Yeah, I think so. Perfect. Uh, also, a heads up, this is a synopsis written in the point of view of me. Um, <laughs> so this is not a professional's work. I mean, as much as I am a professional. Mm, consummate. It's got, my st- it's got my stank on it is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> we should have like a, a little theme song for the synopsis, like a Jeopardy yeah. <laughs> uh, answer music sort of thing. Okay, Censor is the 2021 horror thriller to keep your skin crawling into next Halloween. No, it's not really horror though, is it? Thriller? Yes, as there is some thrill into trying to decide once the credits have rolled whether or not you enjoyed the delve into the disturbed mind of our protagonist, Enid, a censorship auditor combing through hours of stomach-churning gore in order to give it Caesar's thumbs up or do what this movie's title implies. Enid's job is to either approve or censor certain graphic films that 1984's United Kingdom deemed too cor- deemed to corrupt use with their violent or pornographic content, dubbed, quote, video nasties, end quote, an incredibly British thing to say. It's up to Enid to save the great empire of the British so they can occupy themselves with things more in line with 80s UK, more than likely being more racist. Enid also has a trouble... Enid also has a troubled past, a sister that went missing on her watch, only to succumb to amnesia, much like in the recently lost the script critically panned Amnesia, a machine for pigs. (laughs) Upon reviewing Video Nasties, again, just way too British, Enid stumbles onto a film that unlocks hidden memories of her past. She remembers murdering her sister? Maybe? Who am I to say? This marks the beginning of Enid's psychological tailspin as she also lets pass a film in which a man who recently did a the bit old murderin' claims he was inspired by. Spurred by the vitriol of the public blaming her as the figurehead of the media in which made this man murder, and a healthy dose of terribly detached parents... In a healthy dose of terribly detached parents, see the English, Enid seeks out this director in which she finds an actress that bears a striking resemblance to her sister. If she didn't murder her in her childhood, again, not my place to speculate. <laughs> this actress is starring in her next film, directed by the director that unlocked her memories with a film that hit too close to Cabin in the Woods. Seeking out this director, she's accosted by a creepy producer who gets murked just as things start to have any sense of suspense by Aaron pushing him onto pushing him over onto something pointy uh parentheses it's an award for a film or something so i suppose it's a bit of poetic justice moment but mostly it's just something pony that goes through a man's fucking brain <laughs> taking the address from the dead creep enid finds the woods where the director is shooting his movie after being confused with someone that has any purpose of being on set she has her makeup done by a woman who can only speak in ominous sentences, talking about her potential sister, saying it'll be her last movie, ooh, the director has big plans for etc. You get the idea. Making her way to the set, Enid has a conversation with the director that is about as nonsensical and ominous as her last conversation, and the cameras roll. Enid marches into a trailer, 
where she maybe remembers murdering her sister, not for me to say, there is a giant actor who is a stand-in for something creepy in this movie who grabs her sister, or maybe sister, Enid charges him with an axe, chopping him down like Paul Bunyan, much to the chagrin of all the film crew and her maybe sister standing by. Everyone freaks out because clearly Enid is in some sort of psychosis, to which the director yells at her and she helps him separate his torso from his dome piece with the axe. After her murder spree is, is concluded, she finds her sister and the charge and the ch she finds her sister and the change of filter from realistic to Instagram indicates she slipped back into psychotic schism. The last scene depicts a happy Enid and her sister on a road trip, with flashes of the grim reality of murder and kidnapping she's partaking in, jarringly glitching into the view. As the credits roll, we're left with a question. Is someone who's already violent being subjected to violence likely to become further desensitized, or did I just waste an hour and a half of my free time? <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good uh, overall of the, of the movie, even from my perspective. I, it, it right off the bat requires a couple of things of you. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, to know that video nasties were a thing in um the uk in the 1980s um and i guess apparently after doing some research a lot of this movie's um critical uh laudedness comes from the fact that people really enjoy this first time director um right they i believe this is kind of like a an offshoot i believe this is some kind of uh like a like an extension of a short film that this director had done previously. And then everyone just got really excited that this movie wasn't terrible. Um, right. <laughs> and, and so they're like, okay, this is a great movie. We can't wait to see what comes next. Um, and I think that critically that doesn't make a lot of sense for, for as far as like how you grade this film. Right. Because there's a lot it's... about this film that, like, is jarring, but not in, like, a thematic way. Right. It it does feel kind of clunky a lot of the time. Uh, I, I will say that there are some elements that I really dig. It's got that sort of, like, modern neon horror. You know, I can't, I can never think of movies as a good example of it. I guess the I, closest I one is Mandy. I do kind of know what you're talking about. That aesthetic is is really cool, and and I hope to see a little bit more of it. You know, right? In, in soon to come horror films. Have you ever seen Mandy with Nicolas Cage? No. That is probably the best example of like a really good one of these, where it's um, it's pretty much like a prog rock album cover throughout the whole thing. Mm. Like it's just weird and neon and pretty and bizarre and violent. Uh, and that's the, yeah, I, I really dig that aesthetic. And so that I think also it had one of the best jump scares that I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. And it is just essentially her mom yelling at her in a dream. Yeah. But <laughs> fucking got me good. There's that. It, it takes a lot of like, after I was done watching it, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to think about this because I think it does some things well. But also, kind of pretentious. Is that is that tough for me to say? Is I, it a little bit? It is. It's it's tough to 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 find other words than pretentious to describe the type of uh, 
the type of thing that's going on throughout the movie, it seems mm-hmm. nearly self-referential or like like the, uh, a lot of people are on the outside of the movie, but the movie functions confidently in the notion that it has. So that's why I think that's part of what I think is um, people's excitement about this director is they're like, hey, I saw this short and now this is like, a stretched out longer version uh, <laughs> it's a long we're calling them longies <laughs> longies oh this is the longy version of that first movie they did <laughs> mm, xl um and to be honest with you i think this movie wishes that it was as long as return of the king because um <laughs> uh, because it it tries to do what a lot of great thriller um horror does which is slowly slip you into and out of reality um right however with a a newer director i don't know if maybe that's a stamina thing for them where they didn't know or they didn't they didn't have the the facility or whatever to to make a longer movie or or maybe pace it a little bit differently um because when you take things like flashback uh and and a um and potentially fake flashback also there's and, that whole yeah a, a flashback a different god how do i even say it a fl- flashback and perception based on an uh unreliable narrator are things right. that like when done specifically uh, to where you know kind of how you're maneuvering throughout the movie's reality can be can be pretty cool and pretty well done. But then when you get to the that third act of the of this movie specifically, you are being like really jostled between um, reality throwback or reality flashback, distorted flashback, reality and distorted reality, um, and then also perceptions between whether you're seeing things through the crew around her or if you're seeing through mm-hmm. things through her eyes. Um, so right. that's something that I think ultimately can work. But again, if it's like almost two hours longer. Um, yeah. Which I'm glad it wasn't. Oh, sure. I'm gonna say I, that. I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't have recommended that it be that long, but <laughs> okay, good. I think it's around the same page too. Because <laughs> what I heard from you is could have been two hours longer. No, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me a lot of how I felt, which is also why I think I it took me a while and a little bit of research, like I'm sure you did about video nasties and stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. I read up on all that jazz. Uh, all that jazz was a, actually a, a biopic, but oh yeah, I watched also <laughs> all that jazz. Uh, I watched some like it hot too. It's a classic. So, uh, but. After all that, I th- I think more fondly on it. It kind of reminded me, and this is in no way um, the two films are similar. And also, I'm going to try to avoid climbing up uh, Robert Eggers' asshole <laughs> as much as I already do. Because yeah. I love the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, when I was done watching The Lighthouse, there was like a really, st- there was a stillness about the way I was thinking in it. And I was like, that was pretty fucking bizarre and confusing. Yeah. But... Um, what that does is like world building and what this does, 
it's kind of like two different genres kind of going for the same sort of like you just keep on confusing the audience until they don't know what's real and your protagonist doesn't know what's real, which is an effective way of showing someone that has like uh, a psychotic schism where they don't know what is real too. Yeah, it's like, but also like it makes for a very fucking confusing movie. <laughs> yeah, I think that if if we were in high school, we would say that a best the best version of this would have been Shutter Island because <laughs> when you're Ugh. when you're that young, you think it's like holy shit, the biggest oh my god <laughs> twist. But it turns out he was Kevin Spacey the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I agree with you. Is with the lighthouse, the lighthouse kind of did that a little bit better. But I think it's it has a great deal to do with the fact that you don't really start the lighthouse knowing a whole lot, and right, and and it doesn't take place in like Earth. I mean, it do, it does, you know, yeah. but like it's you all ha- about like, mythology and everything. Yeah, you can't like Google a street map, like street view the places <laughs> that they walk through and all that kind of stuff. Right. Or look up <laughs> historical events that they're referencing <laughs> in the lighthouse. Yeah. So it seems almost that like the more grounded in reality this story begins, the harder it well, I mean, I guess it makes sense that the harder it is for you to seamlessly trans uh, you know, transition out of a realistic universe or as as mm-hmm. is perceived by uh Enid. Yeah. Also, what is the takeaway for this? I'm kind of confused about like what the what uh, I don't want to say moral, but that's the <laughs> word I'm going to use cuz I right. can't think of another one. <laughs> like what not that movies need to have one, yeah. but it really felt like it was trying to say something and for the life of me, I'm like is this saying that like movies cause people to be violent or is it a thing where it's just like we're desensitized i is it pro video nasties because i can't really tell where it stands on that i don't know because the lady that watched a bunch of them ended up murdering like three people that's true but also not in a supremely gory way so it's not like the director of this film is like bring back video nasties like let's get dirty right (laughs) let's get let's get nutty with it let's (laughs) go off the deep end my next movie is going to be six hours long. Someone give me a fucking cliff bar now. <laughs> As I, yeah, I was thinking I, about just this, just director stamina, by being the prop, being the reason they didn't make this movie longer. And just to, just to imagine that like all they needed to do was just eat better or like have snacks around. And they could have made an epic, <laughs> epic sized horror film. I mean, you've seen what Peter Jackson looked like when he was working on Return of the King. There's no way that he was eating very well. (laughs) I like to imagine that they get, like, almost done with, like, right before the ghost army is about to come in and fuck shit up in Return of the King. And then Peter Jackson is just like, I don't know, guys, I'm tired. (laughs) I don't even want to be around anymore. Jesus Christ! I'll think I got seven endings to film for this fucking. <laughs> I'll think that's about good there. Huh? <laughs> you got it for me, Should right? Add a cliff bar. <laughs> Should add a cliff bar. Yeah. Fuck! Always keep one handy. It's too bad. They got the... a guy climbing a mountain on him. Yeah. All the so. Lambus bread was sent to the the England uh, the the British set. Um, while he I think Orlando on... Bloom stole it. <laughs> I think he, t- he offset. I heard that too. That's why he's remained the same age this whole time. <laughs> Gave him the and strength. Diego Mortensen to... is slowly <laughs> turning into a daddy. Ooh, yeah. 
I think it, that that must be an Eastern European thing. Because <laughs> him and Mads yeah. Mikkelsen aging like a fine yeah. Moscow wine. <laughs> He's Swedish. But Moscow, but... <laughs> wine. Moscow wine is also just vodka, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cinematography of this movie, like I said, it has like a lot of the neon horror stuff. Yeah. So there was some fucking great. It looks some great amazing. Shots. Yeah, there is some fantastic camera work and editing. Um, the actors, they all did their jobs. Mm-hmm. They did it well. That's not that. Yeah, I don't really have any problems with this movie along the movie aspect of it. Just more or less the. I don't know if it's editing or if it is the because the script was fine. Uh, I think it's yeah. It's I have a problem with the movie, if anything. Well, the the problem with it to me is where it's like, um, when you make a movie, I would assume you want to make a like a great movie or something that's more more B plus A minus range. And this one sits, we're shooting for a B minus. I mean, you, know? you would at least like hope pessimistically that that's the outcome of a movie you worked hard on. Um, mm-hmm. But this one sits like at a solid dense B, like right. kind of throughout. Um, because I mean the the pacing. I think, like I said earlier, though, it's a little bit first act heavy without much. Um, coming about it you know what i mean like there you don't you don't get right. enough of the full um of the switches between reality and um and otherwise early enough but again like that's a a timing thing there's like the earliest signs that we have that she might be like at the worst confused is like she's walking through the subway and she sees a lady with red hair she's like are you my sister <laughs> she's like some, <laughs> some lady yeah that yeah that is and again she's just she's just bonks you know she's just and and if you experience these things seek help obviously but uh it's more or less a story of just someone that's already mentally like on the outs of sanity yeah and so the slow burn isn't really that effective when it's like the twist is she was crazy the whole time (laughs) it's like yeah we know she was (laughs) doing some pretty peculiar shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. i know that was in that was the tagline you can't not be crazy the whole time you can't edit reality that was (laughs) oh yeah The, the other thing Apparently is, can't. I I get a little bit, con- or I did get a little bit confused while I was watching it. Uh, Michael Smiley's part, he plays the creepy um, producer that shows right. her like her first like uh, video nasty that that like, mm-hmm. reminds her of the true or not true story of her sister being murdered in the woods. Um, not for us to say. Yeah, yeah, not really for us to say. Um, but his character has this bizarre thing where, I mean, we know of Hollywood and it's been a trope in movies about movies forever that there are like creepy, uh, you know, uh, sexual deviancies in like that tier of filmmaking. But I really didn't see a whole bunch of what was so important of about having him be that that um uh trope in this movie yeah i, I mean it, 
it almost feels like it is only to serve uh, that we don't feel so bad for him when he dies, um, because right. she she like accidentally knocks him over as she's as he's trying to assault her, um, right? And then Whoops. it dies a gory death or whatever. But at the same time, she goes there and look in search of answers, and he's just like, "All right, time time to get a raping," and it's <laughs> <laughs> here we go, yeah. It honestly is just the the signaling of the beginning of like the end actions, I think, and they just needed someone to die, yeah, like an in an accidental way, preferably, yeah, yeah, and just be like, oh no, now she's really gonna now check this out. Now she's really gonna go bonks. <laughs> we gotta find and out she, if she's she good bonkers and or bad bonkers before the police find her, maybe if they're ever after <laughs> maybe. her. I don't think the police exist in this universe. <laughs> they seem to be, uh, at the very least, aloof. Also, for someone that shoots movies, do you think the director at any point was out in the make-believe set that he made out in the woods and be like, "This is a crazy. This is crazy. This is not movies are shot at all." <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, we're doing this, and we're, we made a scene about how movies are made, and it isn't what we're doing right now. <laughs> That something seems off about this. <laughs> I just thought that, no. whole, that whole uh, sequence with the director and her in the woods, I thought had potential uh, as an isolated scene to be really cool um, because mm-hmm. there is an ambiguity um, with with that interaction being like, is he just a director who likes to bug his fucking actors into being good actors or is he a creep oh he's quentin tarantino right (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh like is he is he like a like a dynamic like in your face director that wants to get you all riled up but then like i don't know he really didn't show up until he's like oh you killed an actor (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute (laughs) something's amiss here yeah I don't know. And the, the fact that they that his, him if that part was in reality and he's just an an innocent creepy director uh he was just apparently waiting for someone to come out to the woods get in, into makeup and then on their way to the set he was going to accost them um and then eventually is like willing to let her fuck off because she's not giving him what what he wants. He's like, you gotta get, you gotta dig deep into that into that craziness. And she's like, no. And he's like, all right, fuck you then. <laughs> and it's like, right? So what then, are you? Then, are we just gonna just... wrap this whole thing? <laughs> We're yeah. all gonna go home now. Yeah, the rest of the crew and the cast are there shooting your. There's movie. a PA holding a sandwich nearby, just being like, <laughs> "Am I getting paid for this?" <laughs> There's. <laughs> the the whole build up to it also is just kind of a letdown because the action quote unquote of it is so brief like there's mm-hmm. not that it needs to turn into like a, a big gore fest or anything but it's just like building for our 22 minutes the last like 3 minutes are the like consequences and the only real like aftermath that you get is that that weird ride, which I also thought that was pretty well shot too, of mm. her like kidnapping her real fake sister, and uh, and then like the flashes of reality coming in and out. Interesting, yeah. but also the realities uh, are bizarre because in the in these 
uh, realities, she takes the hostage to her parents. Her parents, yeah. And then the parents are well, like, what the fuck is going on? And then they're in the car <laughs> and they're driving away. She's like, we did it. <laughs> we saw her parents and we're going on a ride. So she both... She... Censor. You can't edit reality. All in the But family. apparently you can because that's like her whole thing. Yeah. Is her editing that's her own her reality. And, and the, her... Yeah, but... <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what she's doing in her brain all the time is making new realities for herself, which successfully does because it seems like she's pretty fooled by it, too. So, um, tagline, myth busted. (laughs) Myth busted. (laughs) You can edit your own reality, as it turns out in this movie. Yeah, that's actually more or less their mission statement from the beginning is the antithesis of their log light. is like, you can't edit reality, and then, like... uh, Within ten minutes, there's like a tertiary character. It's like, did you know you can ed- you edit reality? <laughs> <laughs> there, there must. I know exactly what happened. They had the poster design, and then they just sent an intern to go and like print a bunch of them. And they're like, and the tagline is, "You can edit reality." And he's like, <laughs> "Or that's fucking you? stupid." <laughs> he's like, "There's no way you can edit reality. I'll fix this for them." He's and like, then he just puts the apostrophe t in there, proving his bada own bing, bada boom. <laughs> proving his own methodology incorrect. He's like. I'll edit this reality of this log line. I'll save this movie, yeah. <laughs> He's like, you don't get promoted in this town for not doing anything. I'm going to stand out. I'm going <laughs> to fix this. And they're immediately like, that's the exact opposite of what we're doing. But God damn it, Michael, you just made 8,000 copies of this and we don't have enough money in the budget. We spent it all on these neon lights. <laughs> okay uh so do you want to give it a score yeah um contrary to me saying it was a a b grade it feels a little bit lower when it's a one out of ten because technically what i'm giving it is like i think a c plus so i'm gonna go Mm. with like a 70 or i'm gonna go with a seven out of ten perfect i'm giving it a very nice uh 69 nice Yeah, Talk despite not a lot of not a lot of sexy in this movie. Video but... nasties, hello. Ooh, I'm getting video nasty while watching <laughs> Censor. Ugh, no, I'm not. Yeah. There's not much, not much. Uh, <laughs> Be concerning. A a little. Sex appeal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. This has been a year of growth for me. <laughs> oh God, if you know what I mean. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Uh, do you have any movie recommendations for us this week? I do. Um, but it's a little bit, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I do. I'm going to say, go ahead and watch Dune. I, oh, okay. I liked Dune. I do think that if you haven't read the books or if you haven't read the book Dune, um, it could be a little boring, but the thing about it is something I will say about it is I really do think that this is one of the movies that, um, uh, takes the spirit of like eighties sci-fi imagery that that they really went for back in the eighties and like ramps it up. So it's like really um like awesome costumes and like really cool set pieces, like stuff that they didn't really have. I guess the the um the technology to really bring to life, but the stuff you love about like old eighties uh, sci-fi. So mm-hmm. it looks really good. And you got Zendaya in there, so yeah, all aboard. Don't uh, don't watch this movie for Zendaya though, because she's not a huge part of it. Yeah, <laughs> well, is Timothy Chalamet a huge part of it? Because that might be a, a 
a bad thing for me. Well, he is, but that's just because that's what the book's about. <laughs> yep, that makes sense. That's, that's good that they included him in it, though. Maybe they could have gone to someone else, though. Timothy Chalamet annoys the piss out of me. I don't know what it is. It's uh, his face, I think. Yeah, He's a fine actor, but... Yeah. It's also really funny that they try and say that, like, he's playing Oscar Isaac's son. Like these, oh these yeah, folks look, don't see that at all. I was like, he looks a lot more like he's uh, Josh Brolin's son, <laughs> who's also <laughs> in this movie. The whole time, my girlfriend who hasn't read the books is just like, I don't know. I think there's something going on between Josh Brolin and uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet's mom. I wouldn't be surprised because he doesn't look in like real Oscar life. Isaac's son. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that's a hard. That's a hard get, especially because Oscar Isaac is um, uh, Latino. So <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is notably Notoriously not Latino. Not Latino. <laughs> one of the one of the things I know most about him, the white guy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and poor Stellan uh. Sarsgaard uh, in another movie where they just like put him in a weird suit and make him talk creepy. Like, he's a great character, but, like, the guy can't catch a break with using his own visage. Yeah, it's because he was with Hayden Christensen and Shattered, and then now he can't <laughs> show his face in Hollywood again, because they're like, no, we gotta sneak you in. Hayden tainted you. Am I, did I say the right name? Sarsgaard. Steven Skarsgård? Not, that not Steven Skarsgård. Oh. Um... Why is the new doing the third one on this IMDb list? No, Stellan. Stellan hmm. Skarsgård. I don't think I know. Who is... There's so many fucking Skarsgårds. There are. Uh, this is the one who plays um, Bootstrap Bill in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I thought that was Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs> he plays Captain Teague, um, I think. No, he doesn't. Maybe. Okay. He plays uh, uh, Johnny Depp's dad. Um. I think you're thinking of Keith Richards. (laughs) What's happening? No, I'm saying (laughs) he plays Orlando Bloom's father, Stellan Sarsgaard does. Keith Richards plays, um, what's his face, Johnny Depp's dad. Is Mick Jagger in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe? No. (laughs) Oh, okay. Not yet. They're still making those things. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they got Paul McCartney. (laughs) Oh, good. <laughs> just what if, just what every movie needs is if, a Beatle. Eventually, it'll just be old ass rock stars doing uh <laughs> doing the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. They're all just sitting around having been famous and dressed like pirates. <laughs> it's a shame that they stopped making music after the '80s because what are pirate movies going to do in a hundred years when they're all dead? <laughs> <laughs> they're all just making like vague references to stuff that doesn't exist in the movies. Like they're all like, "Oh, I wonder if my ship could be a yellow submarine." <laughs> it's like, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? <laughs> That's a very good bit, though. <laughs> like, uh, be good. Oh man, what's Ringo doing? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He he started just... making movies too early. Is his problem? Yeah. Um. What's what what's your, what are your recommendations for movies other than the Thirty Years in the Future uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movies? <laughs> I'm casting it in my head already. <laughs> uh, I am going to. This is just on the fly here because I haven't thought about it. Uh, out personal growth. I don't think about 
things that don't affect me anymore, which this does. So never mind. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to, you know what? Uh, in honor of new Wes Anderson movie out there, pff, fantastic. Mr. Fox. Oh, you haven't watched it so yet. So good. Actually, you know what? I'm changing it up. I just read the screenplay to Rushmore mm. a little while ago and also very good. But anyone that, um, would listen to a movie podcast probably has already seen it. So <laughs> unless they consider this more of a comedy podcast, which in that case, they might be disappointed in our second week's episodes <laughs> every time. But in that case, hey, tune back into the first week. We do guesstimations. It's funny. It's very funny. It absolutely is. Allegedly. That is a fact. Science has mm. proven it. Neil deGrasse Tyson, eat your heart out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Anything else uh, you want to share with the people? Look at this camera. Look at that camera. Tell the people what you've got going on. Uh... I got nothing going on right now. Actually, cool. the cool, the cool, thing cool. is, I have a, a way too much stuff going on that I am not ready to talk about yet. In a good way. Secret in a good stuff. way. In a good. I know usually yeah. my stuff is like, uh, I'm gonna die <laughs> soon. But, yeah, but, <laughs> I got a lot of good. I've been building a guillotine for the last month and a half, and I'm gonna take my own life with it. So, so things are turning around. So it's going it's well. A Got year, a little DIY project a on my year hands. for severance on my end, <laughs> severing my <laughs> head from my body. Very good. Uh, How about well, you, Chris? Congratulations on your Independence Day. Uh, <laughs> you can check out. Hey, uh, my band has a new single dropping on November thirteenth. It's called Beeswax. Check mm-hmm. it out. It, my band is McWeekerton. MC Week Erton. You can fucking figure it out by the way I said it. Probably. Yeah, you probably you already idiot. had your life inundated with the. Um, the amazing amount of content that's being thrown out about mm. it. There's no way you're listening to this podcast and don't know who I am. Yeah. Do you know who I fucking am? Do you know who my father is? <laughs> He's back. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, that's all I really got going on right now. Um, other than that, painting. So if anyone want to, wants to come over to my house and paint my walls for me. Oh shit, I thought you were talking about like you were doing paintings like you're like you guys want to oh. come over and paint? <laughs> well, I was like, holy shit, be... that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds like a fun time. Yeah. That you know, if you want to do that also, that's much cooler. Yeah. We can do murals on the wall and then paint over them. Yeah. Just as like a little motif about the uh the Im- Im- the uh the fleetingness of time <laughs> took me a minute to find my words yeah. there but you knew what i was taking it <laughs> yeah i got it when we when uh when we come out to see you guys for your wedding if we're out there long enough we, we should just do like a, a a home version of like that uh wine and paint uh nights that yeah they have. i got a shitload of canvases right behind me we can just bust out some fucking portraits we can it's, do some still lives we yeah, it's a, like a, we, they all have to be portraits of what we think is going to happen at the wedding. Oh, no. Well, that won't be great. <laughs> Half of it is going to come true, and that's not a good percentage of things in my brain yeah, that come but... true at a really important event in my life. Well, but at least we know which of our friends can portent the future. Yeah, I guess that is true. Uh, that must be a real I, not to uh, I'm gonna sign off very quickly but uh, it must be really frustrating when you're like a house painter and you tell people that you're a painter for a living because they're like oh what like what kind and you're like walls wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, to all our painters out there, keep your chin up, you know? Maybe you'll graduate from wall to uh, canvas. Unless you want to paint a wall. That's fucking great, too. I love Hell that. Yeah. Painting walls is hard. I'm not good at it, as it turns out. Thought there was nothing to it. Started slapping some paint on that thing, and I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> but uh, just keep on putting more layers on that shit, and then it's going to be fine, right? Yep. Every, every right? layer you put on there is a smaller home. Wow. Hey, every house is a home, and you've been listening to Lost the Script. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to check us out next week if you want to check on the, uh, if, if you want to check us out next week. I'm getting redundant. Yeah. <laughs> check us out next week. If you want to check us out next week, then you've got to check us out next week. I have been one of your redundant hosts, Chris Coble. And I'm Ken Hagstrom. Later. Bye. Bye.